Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to what promises to be one of the most impactful episodes ever of the Smashed, Bashed, Yet Not Dashed podcast. My guest today is someone who is dignified, beautiful, charming, intelligent, and has truly moved mountains to build an empire. Considered by many to be the heart behind the Cardone empire, I give you today the amazing Elena Cardone. Welcome, Elena. So good to have you on the podcast. Have you ever been knocked down and found it hard to get up? Have you ever been knocked down and bounced back to come back even stronger? Hi, I'm Gaurav Bhagat and you can call me GB. And welcome to the Smash Bashed Yet Not Dashed podcast. A fortnightly podcast where I speak about persistence, perseverance and overcoming the odds to come out ahead. for such an amazing introduction that was beautiful thank you right and thank you so much for of course you know coming on i appreciate you taking our time for being here for the people of india they really love you and grant and of course our listeners around the world and um, yes uh, just thank you for being here and of course congratulations on all the successes in the year gone by and the big comeback from the uncertainty of the pandemic oh yeah that was a scary time, but yes, we pivoted, we maneuvered, and uh, we found great success on the other side, which is what we want for everybody. Right. Truly that, truly agree with that. And tell me this, I mean, you have so much going on in your life, right? Yet you make it look so effortless. So what truly is your secret? <laughs> that is my magic. Um, so my secret is, is that I understand that no empire is built alone. There's never been an empire built with one person. So I understand that it takes many people. So I'm actually willing to allow people to fill in roles for me. So meaning if I have to hire a nanny right now while I'm here, then I'm willing to do that and not have to be the nanny, have to be the wife, have to be the businesswoman, have to be the marketer, have to be the the accountant, like I can't wear all those hats and expect to get anything done. So I have to be willing to delegate. Right. And so I'm willing to delegate. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm willing to have more people into the empire. The other thing is, is how I make it look so easy is, you know, I just really look at prioritizing now. Um, you know, and I, I, I don't look at my life as like work life balance. That's a very popular saying here everyone always asks me how do you balance it all balance it all balance it all you make me crazy because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know because when i hear balance i hear and associate it with that everything's supposed to be calm and working perfectly and everything's just supposed and when i do that i run into dangerous circumstances with myself because my life does not look like that right. my life is like like explosions it's like you know running through battlefields it's you know it's 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 life i mean there's a lot of random motion going on around me at all times so i just decided i don't balance i juggle I, you know when you go to the circus and you want the balance beam guy you go over there i just know how to juggle many different things you know i'm a master juggler and it all just is, is it it all just it I decide what ball is about to land in my hand at that time. And that's what gets my priority. Like okay. my okay. husband's not number one. My children are not number one. My business is not number one. It's okay. which one is coming down. And that's okay. what's okay. number one. Mm -hmm. Of course, I mean, you know, hear it in context. Of course, it always is family first. I would give up anything for my family. But most of the times I'm not in this sort of emergency situation. Most of the time it's just the family wanting my attention or this or that, you know, so I have to figure out how to give enough attention so that when I can't give attention, they're okay with that. Right. I have right. to make them enrolled into my life saying, look, when you're helping me by allowing me to go off and do this business, you're actually helping people. You're contributing to them being helped by allowing me to be distraction free when I'm trying to help other people. Mm -hmm. So they're mm -hmm. kind of the children I'm talking about now are indoctrinated on who Grant and I are as parents. Like we want to help. We want to make a difference for the better. We're trying to, um, we're trying, well, Grant for sure is trying to 
restore financial literacy, legacy, freedom to the planet, and he's got his products and services. And my mission is I'm trying to empower, you know, make strong, make confident. I'm trying to empower women to own and live up to their full potential because I believe women have power, which is the capacity or the ability to influence the behavior of others. So that's, I'm on this big mission to empower women because I believe once they are empowered, then they can empower their husbands, they can empower their children, we can empower the communities, we can empower, uh, empower the planet and turn this thing around. So th that's my mission. And so the kids know when they allow me to do that, we're helping people and we're trying to change the trajectory of the planet. So they're already like big thinkers, you know, they're valued for their contributions, even when they're actually not doing something, just allowing me to do something is them doing something. So everyone in our family has a role, a position, they're valued for it. And so it just makes it look like it's a lot easier for me because I've, I've gotten buy-in from everyone around right, me right. that this is what we're doing. So we work in a coordinated and collaborated effort to reach a heightened level of success together. Yeah, I love that. And, and straight off the bat, I mean, such valuable insight there when you came, when you spoke about um, you know delegation, when you spoke about prioritization, when you spoke about you know juggling many balls. And also, you know, a lot of people think that multitasking is bad, but you're saying, hey, you know, I'm focusing on the ball that's going to come down fast and I'm handling that. And then the next one's going to be taken care of. But yes, you can manage many things at the same time. And of course, uh, you know, have to give you a shout out on your book. Um, Building an empire is is fantastic. I mean, I was. I have it here. I appreciate yes. that. Thank you. I have so I have my copy right here as well, and it's been signed by you, and it's something that I really value. And of course, uh, you know, it's just just going through that um, over the last few days, and I just thought it's a phenomenal piece of work. Um, I think it truly needs to become like you know a movie on its own because it's just it's just so powerful, and I think it really inspired a lot of people. Yeah, you can inspire a lot of people, uh, you know, with that one uh, as well. So, you know, I was going through the book and I thought, let's take a step back, you know, and go down um, a time when you were, you know, just moving back to the States as a one-year-old, you know, till the time you were 13, um, which, you know, you stayed as a state as being, you know, one of your finest times in your life. But what was it like, you know, growing up uh, in New Orleans uh, as moving the age of one to 13? Well, it was great. I was very much like a tomboy. So I was always out. We could go out without parental guidance. We just had to be home when the sun came down or before the street lights came on. And, you know, it was, we were roller skating with our bicycles. We were out at the park playing baseball, football. You know, we, we were so active as kids. And, you know, there was a big community with the neighborhood kids. So we all played together and it was just so much fun. Um, I was very competitive. I played all kinds of sports and, and I, it was pretty up until that age, it was very carefree. You know, I came from a loving home environment. There was no problems. Right. Right. Yeah. That's almost like, you know, growing up in India in the eighties, it was very similar. Kids would be out all the time and they were playing and now these are different times, right? Times have now changed and it's different uh, ball game. Um, Tell me about your passion for guns, because I've always wondered, okay, you know, I know it came from your dad, uh, but how did it start? And, you know, how you've really kept that passion alive? Well, it started with my father um, shooting shotguns. And so then I just, I mean, just from, I guess, a young age, he just always made me feel like I had a natural talent for it. And the guys at the range used to call me Annie Oakley. And, you know, I was very young. I was like 12, 11, 12, and that kind of age range. And so it just gave me something to feel proud of that I was that that anyone, you know, a female, especially at my age, can shoot and handle the same sort of weapon that a man can. It's different, you know, like I can't I can't go compete in a football game with real guys at this right. age, you know what I'm saying? But at that age, you can actually compete with men in a sport that you're basically all equal in. Right. And, um, and so it was just very empowering. And that's, I think, where the love of it came. There was a lot of respect. Mm -hmm, there was a mm -hmm. lot of admiration. It's, it's just, so I really immediately love that world. I love the outdoors. I love the sportsmanship. I just love the camaraderie. I love team. I love playing. I like games. 
So I think that's where I fell in love with it. And, right. um, and then later in life, it transitioned to something called three gun. So now I do three gun competitions, which is pistol or handgun, pistol, nice. rifle and tactical shotgun. So mm -hmm. I shoot um, in a range, those three weapons. And it's the same environment. It's the gun right. guys right. that are there and girls. There's, there's a lot of women in the sport too. Um, but mostly men, and they're just amazing. You know, when they see that you train, you work hard, um, they don't feel threatened. These guys want to help me in any way that they can. They they are actually inspired that women want to take up the sport. They want more women in the sport, you mm -hmm. know? So mm -hmm. um, I just, I love it. It feels like family to me. Right. Um, right. It feels like a really high level of responsibility to master that, something that can be so feared and taken out of context, made so wrong. But when you actually learn the skill behind it and actually the mastery of what it takes to plan through a stage and how to manipulate your and transition through the different weapons, it's, right. you know, it's like uh, there's a, just a really big sense, a powerful sense of pride of like, no, I'm controlling this. It's I don't have to be effect of it. Like I can actually be in control of it, just like a knife, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like if you're. You know, most people are scared of knives, but when you learn how to chop the vegetables and do all this, you're not scared of a knife. It's sort of the same way. Right, right. Yeah, I get that. And you totally went all in, right? Like you had like a world champion come in and train you so that you could be like better and yes. better. So that's the way it is, right? You learn from the best. I was in my, um, so in, in sporting clay with a regular shotgun, I had a three-time world champion train me there. Wow. And now in my three gun, I only have the best. So I have the number one guy in the nation and he's my trainer for three awesome. gun. Yeah, that's what I always tell people that when you want to be good at something, you go to the best and which is why we reached out to Grant Cardone and yourself because I mean, that is the best in the business, right? Yes, <laughs> we say that too. It's, you know, don't, don't waste your time learning bad habits that you have to undo later on. It's just, just go make the investment and just fast track your way to success. Find that mentor or the person that has exactly what you want and go all in on that. Mm -hmm. Then maybe once you become a master or a professional, then you can kind of play around because you've, you've mastered something. But in the beginning, the problem is, is when people have too many mentors, they get too confused and end mm -hmm. up doing nothing or counter, you know, right. counter. Yeah, it's just confusion. Like, it's just, yeah, I yes, think it's confused, the confusion right. leads mm. to failure. So right. it's like they're, they're kind of counter yeah. intending themselves mm -hmm. when they have too many people. Mm -hmm. But I say that all the time, like find your mentor. And then also, you know, my, my, uh, my three gun coach is my three gun coach, but he's not my marriage coach. Right. You know, he's not been married for almost 20 years to a very high powered entrepreneur. He has no right. reality on what my life would be. Why would, why would I take my advice on relationships from him? So sure. I just say what, whoever is going to be your mentor, just make them the mentor in the areas that you want and seek what they have in that area. Just because they're your mentor for one thing, doesn't all of a sudden mean they're the mentor across the board. Absolutely. Oh, couldn't agree more. And I think uh, this is what Grant and you've repeatedly been saying that you have coaches and mentors in different areas of your life because you can't just go all in on, on one person and expect them to deliver on everything. So yes, thank you for reiterating on that one. Do the girls uh, share your passion for guns as well? They do. They do. Oh, awesome. Not so much. Sorry. I mean, they're not so crazy as I am, but, um, but they've been shooting before. Joe, my trainer, trains them. And I mean, they have a very wicked draw, like very good and they yes. feel they shoot really well but they don't do it all the time and they're not saying oh take me every weekend right. they're not obsessed but they right. do really enjoy it lovely so this podcast is called the smash past you know yet not dashed podcast and at the age of 14 you had like a really bad moment and i was reading about that you know in the book and this is with the passing away of your best friend from across the street in a terrible fire uh, her name was goldie and the result was that you struggled after that for a bit, you know, with your internal demons and, and took to um, drinking drugs and a difficult time, no doubt. So you know, talk us through those times in New Orleans, because, you know, truly, I think our listeners could benefit greatly from, you know, those experiences as well. Yeah, that was a really dark time for me. You know, I was uh, 14. So I had just transitioned out of being a tomboy, um, 
So why I say tomboy is because I was a girl and when you're a tomboy as a girl, you can't cry. Like you have to be stronger and tougher than the boys. And I'm talking eight, nine, 10, 11. That's when I was real tomboy. But that's when, you know, you're getting hit in the head with a soccer ball or, you know, getting hit with a bat accidentally at a baseball and like you can't at baseball practice or whatever. And as a girl, like you can't cry because you're already a girl. You know what I'm saying? So I had just come out of this. I have to be super tough and never let anyone see me cry because that that equals weakness to me. Then my family were very loving, but we're not like we don't show a lot of emotions. You know, my father was World War Two veteran like we just forge forward. So after that, it was not really talked about much in my household. And I was just having to stuff everything down. It was just I've never felt pain like that since. It was just excruciating. Like, I mean, it was just so painful for me. Um, I couldn't get the images out of my head. It was just very, very traumatizing for me at 14 years old to, 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 to even know that that's what a body could look like when it was that charred. I mean, it was just, I mean, I can't even tell you. So, so I used a lot of alcohol and drugs to self-medicate to kind of push everything down and to not feel and to build up a stronger wall to to not let anybody in because I was there was no way I could ever get hurt like this again so it, it also even though she was a girl and a friend not a not a lover but in my mind I didn't know how to make those association different differences so for me it was like nobody comes in no love comes in nobody's getting in because that that will just be too much for me like no one can have my heart like that because it will just be destroyed so i just i was very reckless i didn't care i i really i mean you know i don't know was i suicidal i don't know i thought about it a lot i kind of maybe hoped it would happen i never kind of made an attempt but it was just very dark times for me and so when i was 17 years old i just said you know by that time i had eight other friends pass away because that's the life i was in you know four of them died in a car accident because they were all drugged and alcoholed up and it was their fault but nonetheless it's still painful so four go like that a suicide an overdose one loaded felt laughing fell off the back of a balcony rail i mean it was just like you just can't take it anymore you know so it's 17 this is how this is all happened between 14 and 17 it's not normal and um and so then that's and, and the house was right across the street so every time in and out i'm looking at the house that never got torn down or anything it was still there so at 17 i just decided i'm going to move to los angeles to try to become an actress or a model or whatever i could do i was terrible i mean i was good in school because i could memorize but i wasn't really good in school so it was really like my only hope and escape to leave new orleans my parents were like you're not going you're gonna you know, you're, they're going to convince you to do drugs out there if you want to be an actress. And I said, sit down. We have to have the talk. And then I just laid it all out and said, look, I've, <laughs> no one can try to make me do anything because I'm like, what, what? Name it. I probably did it. Right. And right. so um, they reluctantly let me go. And I went. And, and that's when I started to turn my life around. I was like, I've got to get out of this feeling sorry for myself. I've got to You know, if I'm going to, I had this epiphany one day. It actually came to me in a dream. She came to me in a dream and she was like, how dare you use my death to destroy your life and blame it on me? Like if you loved me, well, and I love you as a friend, right? But if I like, wouldn't, wouldn't I want the best for you? And wouldn't you want the best for me? So you don't make me feel good when I look and see you like this. So that's when I made a decision. Wow. In order to really honor her as a friend, like, stop it. Like, I can't use that as an excuse anymore. Like, what what am I going to do with my life? Like, let's do something now. It's, it's, it's time to get over this. Yeah. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that. I think never be something that can be forgotten, but I think Goldie, wherever she is today, would probably be looking down and be very proud about, you know, what you've done and how you deliver and empower others. So I think, uh, you know, that's really something. Going to Hollywood at 17, I mean, that couldn't be easy, right? Like, what was that like? You know, I think about it now because I have two girls and I'm just astounded. Like, how did I do this at 17? But actually, at the time, 
coming from New Orleans and, you know, it was punk rock and all the stuff that I had seen and been exposed to, it, it honestly, <laughs> it seemed easy to me. It seemed, um, it seemed safer. It seemed, you know, the bars closed at two o'clock in New Orleans. They stayed open 24 hours a day. I was coming yeah. home at seven, eight in the morning from oh. being out all night in New Orleans. Here, it was like everything closed at two. I couldn't right. believe it. Right. And, right. you know, so it was an easy transition for me. I had, I, I really wasn't shy. At the, you know, I'm more shy now than I was mm -hmm. back then. Mm -hmm. Back then, mm -hmm. I could talk to anyone. I could, I, I would just, I, I was more fearless back then. Again, you know, I had, I came from this, you know, chip on my shoulder. I don't care, whatever. And I didn't value and like really value things. So there was nothing to really fear. I would risk or lose anything because I didn't care anyway. You know, right. so right. it did kind of give me a certain freedom in that aspect because, yep. you know what I'm saying? I didn't care. Like, hey, my name's Elena, blah, 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 blah. Strike up a conversation. You don't like me? I don't care. You know, I mm -hmm. kind of had that for a long time. Now I care. I'm a mother. I have two children. Like, I care. Like, you know, like I want to preserve my health. I want to be great for my kids. You know, it, things change. Absolutely. I have Absolutely. more at stake now. Yeah, when I read about, you know, the time between 14 and 17, I was like, this looks like it's an auto movie, like The Fast and the Furious or, you know, Gone in 60 Seconds. It just seemed like a really, really, you know, crazy, fast-paced, like, not a good life. But hey, I'm, you know, glad the way things worked out like they did. Of course, um, you know, like most people, you had your share of, you know, bad relationships as well. And then in walks in Grand Cardone. And I love how he always, you know, tells us at all our, our trainings and the boot camps that the best sale he's ever made has been, you know, to get you to fall in love uh, with him and eventually, of course, marry him. Right. So would you say you made it pretty hard for him in the early years to win you over? Yeah, because he wasn't my type at all. He was a businessman. I was an actor. So I typically hung around actors, musicians, and he was shorter than me. And, you know, that really used to bother me because the guys I would date, um, some of them would always be like, wear flats. Why are you wearing heels? So I always felt big and I don't, I, I don't want to feel big. I want to feel like, a, you know, like my idea or my version of what I think a lady is like kind of petite and tiny, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that really bothered me. So the, the, the short thing was out because, uh, I, I, for, well, I was certain he wasn't going to allow me to be my height, which I can't control. And so he was a businessman, just wasn't interested. So I met him on a movie set, um, a commercial actually, a commercial shoot I was in. He was friends with the director and he calls me. We have this horrible phone call that just went nowhere. It was a disaster. And then um, for the next 13 months, every month, he would leave a message on my answer machine about two times a month. And then it wasn't until 13 months later when he found out from my girlfriend, I was competitive shooting at the time, that he said, uh, I rented the, the range. Will you come out and shoot? And I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. He wants to play big, uh, you know, big guy. Okay. Because it was expensive. I was like, I'll, 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 I'll you know, I, I did kind of take advantage of him in that situation. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll let him pay for me. You know, what I, if he wants to, he can't. You know, I still had this. Right kind of attitude, you mm -hmm, know, and mm -hmm. then, but I saw from that time that he was a, a little more normal, right. not right. date material, but at least, you know, he could be in my presence. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so he became friends with one of my girlfriends and then he started showing up at all the clubs. Cause you know, we were in our twenties back then. Right. So he right. started showing, well, he wasn't, I was, but right. yeah. Right. So he started showing up at the clubs and, and it was okay. And, and then eventually he just made me fall in love with him. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. And he is the king of follow-up, right? So you can't, you have to give him that. So, and of course oh. the fact, and the fact finding piece too. So I'm sure he did his well, homework well. I think it was the, 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 was so amazing to me is because like, um, you know, I had been in Los Angeles since I was 17 years old on my right. own in the acting industry. Like I had seen my fair share of those type, you know, those type of guys that think they can buy women or manipulate women or, you know, I, you know, and I'm from New Orleans, so there's that. So it's like, you know, I, I just could read through people fast, quick. Right. Right. 
Right. And, you know, he came and then he was there and he wouldn't go away and he just kept showing up. And the more I would try to get him to disappear, like all the little tricks I did on other guys to just get them to go away, he never went away. He would almost be amused by it. And I had never seen that before. And, it, and then eventually, after so much time had passed, I was like, what does this, this isn't just about, I mean, I got to the point where I was, I was like, this isn't just about like a one night stand. I don't know if y'all call those because no guy would go this long. They would have given up by now. Like, the, like what, like, I think this guy is like serious, like for, mm -hmm. you know, and it was scary, but it was also at the same time, very comforting because yeah. for the first time in my life, I actually could see myself because I used to like flutter and be all around like never no one could catch me no, like but he just kept being a rock like a stable perch and then I would I just kept you know landing take off land take but he never left mm -hmm, and then mm -hmm. it was like like once I knew he was he was not leaving it was it was it just changed like my eyes kind of opened up and I could actually start seeing him as this man before me going well, it's about time, you know, geez, right. I thought you were right. never going to get there. Lovely. Yeah, I love that story. And, and, and truly, I, mean, I know how you keep referring to it as Houdini, like a lot of people, you know, call you Houdini because you keep despairing, you know, from relationships and all of that. And how here you know, stayed uh, persistent um, all the way through. And I think it's just magic. I mean, what you guys have together is just magical. And, you know, it's amazing that you have the equation and the chemistry and you inspire, you know, all of us around the world with the relationship that you have, because in today's world, I mean, it's a mess. I mean, just look at what's happening with Johnny Depp and, you know, Amber Heard and everything else. Toxic, right? And people are watching that and I'm like, dude, why don't you watch the g &E show? Because this is what you should be watching, right? Not what you have on, on you know, on, on TV right now. It's so messed up. So again, you know, thank you for, uh, you know, being the guys that you are. You know, it's, you know, even for us, I, I don't, it's not always easy by any means, but, but I, I like what you said. We do, we do have something very special, very magical. We make it, we create that, you know, it's not just there. Like some people think, oh, they found their soulmates, of course, or they want to write it off. But what a lot of people don't realize is that's actually a created, it's a created relationship. And the minute we stop creating in the relationship is the minute we start having problems okay. and then we have to recreate like it's a constant create or it destroys just like anything else. You have to pay attention to your business. You also have to pay attention to your relationship with, you know, the roles, the respect, the helping each other achieve goals and dreams that always makes us fall in love with each other, you okay. know, um, so we figured out those pieces that can keep us together for, you know, next month will be 19 years married, awesome. but 20 years awesome. together. So, you know, I know it's not easy. I mean, I think that sometimes myself, I think how to, if, if, cause there's moments, you know, people have to be realistic and I don't know this about other people's relationships, but I can, I just speak on mine and I try to be authentic and real. Um, of course, I don't let people know what's going on when I'm having the problems because the, that because I can't involve anybody else. We got to get through it. I right. can only tell right. you in hindsight how we got through it, but not at the moment. Like you don't have a right to that then. But I can, I've said before, like in the challenging moments that we have had, sometimes in that 19 years, there's been some rocky times where it's like, geez, what are we doing? Are we do we want to do this anymore? Right. Like, like, right. I mean, even if it wasn't said, this is what I thought in my head. And um, I don't know what I was saying about that other than I thought that's what I was saying. I think to myself, if I'm having this thought and look how good we are doing, right. how right. horrible imagine, must imagine. it be for other people that don't have the tools that Grant and I have figured out the, along the way and that have. I think it's gotta be tremendously painful when people don't really understand. Right. And right. Um, you know, so part of that is also, lastly I'll say on relationships, part of that is staying clean. Like you have to stay clean. Like, you know, the little things that you do to somebody that you have justified because make it up, whatever. They're hard on you. They, they don't help you. They, whatever. And then you do these things, whatever it could be. It could be something small like 
you looked at some cute guy on Instagram and you were like, God, what would it be like to be with mm. him? I mean, it could be that small, yep. but yep. would you want him doing that behind your back? You know, it's all the way down to the smallest of the small right. things that right. you do that you let build up. And then the, then you build up so many things against the person that now you have to make the other person less than in order to justify your little small transgressions. Does that right. make sense? Oh, totally. No, in fact, because I, I totally you, if, if, this, if, if the husband was great, right, but I'm doing all these little, little tiny things on the side that, that I wouldn't want him doing to me, I wouldn't then be able to go, my husband's so amazing because then I couldn't justify doing all these little things. So I would have to say, I'd have to be critical. I'd have to put him down because then, you know, then I could make sense of the things I'm doing wrong in the relationship. So that's what we're really good at is, you know, coming clean with each other. Look, I did this, I did this, I did this. I'm going to handle that. That's not going to happen in the future. And then there's like no secrets. Right. So it's like, you know, we're always staying clean, mm -hmm. less mm -hmm. critical of one another, you know? Right. Yeah, very valuable lessons because I sometimes wonder, I mean, you know, there would be so much temptation because of you know, the positions you guys are in. And it's amazing how you, know, you stay the path. And like you mentioned in the book, you talk about the IEDs, you know, where people would always be there, close, you know, placing these explosive devices and trying to, you know, derail you. But it's amazing that you would, you know, like just brush those aside, like clear the minefield and, and keep going. So I think that's really cool as well. Yeah, it's like, okay, you know, you know, it, it, and it's always the simple things, right? Like, you know, oh, you told me not to spend money and I secretly spent a thousand bucks at Chanel and, you know, I didn't want you to find out about it. But now I have this little secret, so I'm kind of withholding myself. And then I'm like, well, Grant, you know, then I would be like, well, Grant's so stingy with money. He's so uptight, you know, because because I have to justify that I did these little things, you know. Right. Right. And so a lot of times when I hear couples complain to me about their partner in like a lot, I always have to ask them, when did you do something similar either to him or in, in another situation in life? Or like, what are you doing? First, we got to clean you up right. and then right. we can address that situation with them. But right. I guarantee you, if you're being critical of that in him, it's because, because you're doing something over here that is equally or worse than what, that, that, what you're accusing that person of being. Agreed also valuable and i think everyone's going to go back and listen to this again because you know in india right now it's it's really become a pandemic in terms of number of people who are just splitting up for the smallest of reasons and the pandemic hasn't made it any easier you know where people are just i mean we have more friends today who are apart than who are together and that's just tragic that's not the way it should be really so i mean i, I hope people go back and, and listen to you know what you just had to say over there i know we pressed on time maybe i'll have to take like another five minutes of your time because there were a couple of you know interesting things and i hope that's yeah. okay yeah okay lovely yeah. Okay, so I want to talk about another aspect. In 2008, you know, the, when the financial crisis happened, it got a little crazy. Um, you know, you guys said you were living what was like a normal life in, in, in Hollywood Hills, in Lionel Richie's house of all places. Um, but you said that that was a really trying time. So maybe if you could talk about that for a minute. And then I want to, I want to hear about the lotto game because I thought that lotto game was epic. I think that's such a cool idea. So I'd love to hear about both these things. Okay, so yeah, that time it was scary because I had never seen Grant, who was so macho and um, so, what's the word, so confident. And then when the economy collapsed, he, I could actually see fear on his face and he was like, we're going we're, we're gonna to be in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. And we were, you know, there was a lawsuit that came out at us. There was the banks wanting to collect on the apartment saying that we're in technical default because our net worth dropped even though we never missed a payment right um and and then his business is he knew it was over nobody was paying for a speaker to come out and train their people anymore everything had stopped so it was scary times i was pregnant with our first child so there were no acting jobs in sight, and um, but we really hunkered down. That's when the birth of the empire idea concept came from, where mm -hmm. I was like, you know, let me trade in in order to trade up. If I really got behind you and did infrastructure mindset and support, and you went out and like built the businesses because you know how to do that, and I know how to do this, and we just pushed each other in this direction, how far could we go together? 
Um, so we just went into massive sacrifice phase for probably about a good 10 years. There was no spending money on anything, really, like um, no designer clothes, no crazy cars, no, no big parties. Uh, we did have one party, but it was business. It was the launch of his book. But from mm -hmm. that, he wrote the book. He wrote this book. He started his, he figured out um, how to go horizontal and not just vertical. He had been in the car business only, and now he figured out how to expand and reach more people so we wouldn't be in this situation ever again. And we really just had each other's back, and um, we had a plan, and we stuck to it, and we had each other's back. We knew our roles, and we executed in our roles. And it really, that's when we started to fast track our way to success. That's when everything started to really, you know, pick up speed for us. We really started to see a massive gains in strides when right. we really started to work together. Um, yeah. And then the lotto game came out of because he was so wounded um, and kind of worried and as a wife I'm, I'm not gonna feel sorry for my husband or let him feel sorry for himself or go down misery lane I had to find a way to pop him up you mm -hmm. know so mm -hmm. I had this idea the lotto game what would you do if you had a we started off with a hundred million what would you do if you had a hundred million and then he would start saying I would invest in this I would do this but but da -da. okay what would you do if you had 500 million we always went to a billion we ironically we never went beyond a billion because Honestly, I never even thought we were really going to hit the hundred, even though I always thought and put the target at a billion. Yeah. I, I mean, I really didn't even know if we were going to hit a hundred. When we were playing this game, we were around the 10 million mark, but, you know, but then the economy hit and I don't even know where we really were at that time because everything had just dropped. So it was, it was crazy. But the game and saying, what would you do with a billion? Then it was like, oh, well, I, and I would say, I'm opening my own studio and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to do my own roles because, you know, I was coming off of the acting thing, right. which is interesting because right. now we came out with 10X Studios and that's exactly what we're doing, right. but not for me, but for other shows. And anyway, my, the purpose and the end point of that was that we would always feel like a billionaire. And when you feel like what you think a billionaire is, all of a sudden you're not afraid to pick up the phone and call someone because who wouldn't take a billionaire's yeah. phone call? Absolutely. Or if you Absolutely. got hung up well, you wouldn't care because you're a billionaire. Like you're like, whatever, I'll just go, you know, oh, you don't want to let me in, I'll buy the building. You know mm -hmm. <laughs> what yeah. I'm saying? Like you have other options. So it got Grant to thinking bigger. It got him to feeling like, why can't I just be that now? Right. Not to be confused with spend money that we don't have because we've never violated money principles, but the beingness, you know, the feeling and the actions that it would take to be assume the position, assume the role of the billionaire. Why do you need actual digits in a bank account that you're never going to see anyway before you can allow yourself to be that? So it's, it's be be the billionaire do the actions of a billionaire learn about finances what do you need to study what do we need to do how do we self-enhance how do we get strong enough to be walking among the other billionaires of the planet how do we how do we become influencers what do we need you know so that's the doingness and then you get to have and ironically now last year we hit the billionaire status yep. but yep. it's not once you become the billionaire then you get to be the billionaire like it's completely inverted but I never knew it was inverted before um, so it just allowed us a freedom and it really pulled him up and out and then I guess I've said this three times now but I guess again the final point on that is is that um, it allowed him to think in a bigger way where it's just as this it requires the same amount of energy to 10x something than to 1x something okay. so why okay. not just 10x it from the get-go right yeah absolutely and uh, amazing um, you know story and really and and you and as, as you mentioned at the time you were doing like oh, you had 10 million and you already were thinking about a billion and now the billions happen so it's almost like a vision boarding exercise that anyone can do i mean anyone who's listening in could actually do this just pull out a paper sit down this sunday 
and just write down what would I do with whatever your number is. I mean, a 10 million, a hundred million, a billion, you know, start envisioning that. And I think that's probably what, and you guys made it happen. Like you just, you know, destined it to happen. So super. Yeah. Well, it's amazing. Cause I just finished, I do a build an empire mastermind. I do four year, one per quarter. Um, the first one's on mindset and then relationships, money, and then design your life. So, and I go through the workbook myself, right? I wrote the workbook, but design your life is really about getting the idea that you have in your mind. How do you get it to manifest, to appear in the physical universe? And so what I was telling everyone, because they look at me and I assume that they think, okay, well, she has it all. Like, why would she need to go through all this? And I said, no, but what you don't understand is what you were seeing today is a manifestation that I had 10, 12 years ago, and it's manifested itself now. I said, so now, right, I went to the top, but now I'm at the bottom of the top. Mm -hmm. And I said, so I'm going through this workbook. I might be at the bottom of the top. You might be here, you might be here, but we're still at the same place because now I'm manifesting my next seven years. Right. You know, right. I'm, I'm creating it now. I'm mocking it up now, just like you are. Love that. Yeah, so good. In fact, I think the next time you're going to have your program, I'm going to come down for that. I've been all of Grant's programs, and I think now I need to start attending some of yours as well. Oh, that is it. Yes, mm-hmm. you get to see the other side, the yeah, magical I, side. <laughs> absolutely. So, of course, congratulations on the girls, you know, making it to Miss Teen and Miss uh, Preteen Florida last month. Uh, the girls, I mean, truly do you both so proud. And um, how do you manage, you know, to bring out in them, I mean, all the magic that they have in them? How does that happen between the four of you? Well, we're, they've been indoctrinated from very young, you know, and they haven't, we, they've had a lot of freedom within the parameter to, to express themselves, to be self-determined. You know, there's a parameter, though. They're not going to be made wrong, like in the form of a beatdown or something, if they cross the line. But they have to know if they cross the line, they can. That is their choice. But these will be the consequences mm-hmm. if you do it. I'm not going to even get mad at you about it, but those are the consequences. But inside this bubble, you can go here, there, all around, do whatever you want. But out here, that's consequences. So mm-hmm. they've, had, they've, they've been self-determined since they've been very young. Right. You know, understanding right. that they have been respected for being these beings in these little bodies, even though they have to earn adult rights, right. um, they are respected. So they've grown up with a tremendous amount of pride, confidence, competency, you know, competitiveness, purpose. So they have their own just drives and passions. And now it's how can we support and help them with their endeavors? And, um, and it's tricky, you know, because it's just tricky. It's again, it's, it's this juggling act of, you know, I have to be in New York at a speaking gig, but Scarlett has her first headshots that she's shooting on Saturday because she's now auditioning for big Disney films. And, wow. and I'm not going to be able to be at the first photo shoot, but I'm at the first auditions, you know, so it's just, it's difficult because as yep. a mom, yep. you know, some of that guilt or whatever is, is just not going to go away. But I've just learned to, to just accept that life isn't perfect. And as much as I can move stuff around, million percent I will. And when I can't, you know, Scarlett will have to understand that as well. And if I can make it up by scheduling another shoot or whatever, then that's what I do. I just, you just have to get creative with it, you know? Yeah, I'm sure these girls are going to do you so proud because they're just fantastic and it's inspirational to, you know, see what they're up to as well. And uh, 10X kids and and I think they'll be great brand ambassadors for that and you course as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very certain it's going to carry on like this. Um, two concluding questions. One of them is going to be for, you know, for the women of India who basically are trying to wear a lot of hats, you know, try and manage, uh, you know, families, are trying to manage, you know, in-laws, are trying to manage, you know, work, um, their commitments. Um, so very, very similar to, you know, even in the States, but love to have your thoughts and advice to the people of India, especially the women of India who are just trying to, you know, go out there and, and build their own empires. So what's my advice to them building Mm -hmm. their own empires? Yeah. Try to, you know, get other people 
get very clear on your purpose and your mission. You have to be clear on your mission. I know I want to empower women um, to thus restore the value of women to society. I'm very clear on that. I have my core values. My core values are I want competency, results oriented. I want ethical trustworthiness. I have my core values in alignment. So then it makes it easier to present my case to people. So I, I, I can say to a family member, look, this is what I want to do. You know, whether we were made to believe that we can think this big or not, I'm crazy enough to at least go for it. Do you support me in this? Is this a worthy enough cause? Mm -hmm. Are you okay with women being empowered that can then help their husbands and then make their children better? Does that sound like something you're in agreement with? Yeah. Okay, well, will you support me in this mission? And um, because I need your help. I want you in my life. I can't do this alone. I, I just... You know, and then figure out, okay, well, then can you help me? Rather than, you know, saying what a terrible mother I am all the time because I'm not cooking meals. Are you, can you help me by cooking? You're such an amazing cook. Can you cook three meals a week? And, and then I can help you by maybe doing your social media for you or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like, you know, and then we can do this together. And when you help me and I help another woman and, and she feels a little bit better and she's a little more present with her kids, like how you want me to be. What right. if I can make right. that for somebody else? Well, then can you help me? If we can't at least help me to be great, can you help me to help somebody else be great? You know, there's always a way to get somebody interested in your mission, you know, and then when they see your commitment and how gracious and kind you are and how hard you work and how much you do, you know, when you are with your children, you're 100% there. When you are with the job, you're 100% there. It will, it, it will get respect. And if it doesn't get respect, then, over time, right? If it's still not getting respect, it's and you've and you've been hitting your points, right. then you just have to confront that there are certain people, and it's very hard to confront when it's in your own family, but there are certain people who are actually actively interested in the suppression of you. They're mm -hmm. actually interested in holding you down. Right. And um, they fear that when you are successful, it somehow makes them less than. And so then their only product becomes, how can I hold you down? Okay. And then you will have to very skillfully and artfully either figure out how to spend as little time away from them as possible or right. cut them out completely. Yeah. But those people, they're rare, but they do exist and they are very dangerous because you should also be having these conversations of like, how can we support each other? Sure, support true. means to show active interest in the success of. So how can I support you? How can I support you? Show interest in you and how can you show me interest? And these ladies can get these papers, write down what your needs and wants are out of the relationship that's gonna help you go to where you wanna go and actually give it to your mother. This is what I want and need from you. Right. And right. then your mother can give you her list of what she wants and needs from you as a daughter. And then you compare the list. I can give you this, 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 and this, but I'm not giving you this and this. Are you okay with that? Okay, good. At least now you know and you're not assuming that somebody wants something and they don't, so you're giving them the wrong thing, or right. you're getting yeah. mad at them because they're not doing something, but they never knew to begin with, you know? Get so that that's what I would say. Just have these communications, get really clear on what it is you want to do, and it will help other people to get really clear on how to support you. Extremely powerful. And uh, find your purpose, find your why, find your mission. And of course, uh, make it work. And in case uh, it's toxic, then maybe you do need to get out because I think sometimes people have that, you know, uh, sunk cost fallacy that we invested so much time in this relationship and we can't get out. You know, maybe um, sometimes um, that is the only way out in, in some cases. Yeah, so, you know, it, it, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, mm -hmm. these conversations can, you know, can, can happen over and over. But you know when someone really does not want you to win and succeed and it shows up over and over and over again. And, and right. that is just, you know, you want to go here and he wants to go over here. Nobody's wrong. It's just we're on two different paths. This is who are we as a couple? Where are we going as a couple? Right. Can I help right. you to get there? And can you help me to get there? 
But that's the only reason to be in a relationship is to be on the same page going towards the same goal. If y'all don't have the same goals, it can be pretty Absolutely. And I think people who need to know more about this, they need to get a copy of your book or at least download the book on Audible because you speak so much about this. And like I said, really connected with that. Uh, my last question to you is this, uh, you know, it's been a difficult couple of years for the world. Um, your advice to people that are right now going through, you know, their smashed past moments and aren't really sure, you know, when is this ever going to end or how they're going to get out of it? What would be your parting advice to them? I would say use the time, like, especially if you can't get out, if you're, if, um, if it's on lockdown or whatever, use this as self-enhancement time. You, you've got to self-enhance, mm -hmm. especially when you feel like you have cuffs and you're dependent on a government or a job and whatever. This is the time to really, really educate, study, feed yourself with as much knowledge and power so that you can have the ideas so that when the doors do open, you're ready and you're not like behind, like self-enhance, self-improve, get your hands on as much right information as mm -hmm. possible. You will get ideas, ideas, you know, creativity follows commitment, like just make the decision and the commitment that you're done with it. You're going to change your life. You're going to make it better and just keep recommitting no matter what the outside world looks like or how it represents, just keep committing, committing and taking the actions, the actions, the actions, wear the hat of the billionaire, even mm -hmm. though you might see dirt floors, wear the hat of the billionaire, do your actions, do your actions, do your actions. You do that consistently over a period of time you gain confidence in yourself you can depend on yourself you you know that you do what you say you're gonna do other people then see it and before you know it you start creating what the world looks like around you true that awesome yeah super super valuable and I think real pearls of advice all true I mean I know we've gone for like 45 minutes so I'm sorry for overshooting but it was just so precious and uh, you know your delivery and everything that you shared was just so good that I just didn't want to deny our viewers and listeners of it. So thank you for that. Um, Elena Cardone, truly someone who has beaten the odds and continues to do so um, you know, in, in over time. I can wish you nothing but the best. Uh, continue to inspire us, continue to inspire the world, you know, make it a better place. And uh, I hope that one day Grant and you together will come to India and we can do a podcast uh, in person, preferably in India. Um, but until then, um, you know, just like I said, you know, just keep 10xing it and building the empires and, and changing the world. So thank you so very much. I love it. Thank you so much.